Hello, and welcome to the Origins Podcast, hosted by Ian Pullman and Vicente Enriquez. Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Ian, and with me is my co-host... Hey there, this is Vicente. And you are listening to the Origins Podcast. This is episode number 32, The Origins of American Football. Uh, before we get into the episode, just want to remind you that you can follow us on Facebook, Origins of History Podcast, as well as on our Instagram page at Podcast. You can also listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere you may consume your podcasts. Um, so we are back. Sorry, we had a couple of weeks there. We were trying to figure out a, a new schedule, but we'll go into that a little bit later. Um NFL kickoff is in just about a week, so we really thought it'd be fun to dive into some American football here. You know, I, I don't really know where it's come from. I'm a big fan, though. You know, growing up here in the United States, I know American football is a big part of, you know, it's just big part of the culture here. <laughs> yeah. You, you get on the what's up, what's going on. It is the most popular uh, sport in in the United States right now uh, by viewership and whatnot. Um, but the first, we need to really talk about the earliest origins of like ball and tackle games. You know, um, uh, American football is properly called gridiron football. By the way, it's basically been uh, was inspired by two British sports, which were rugby and association football and that's just you know football soccer basically is association football um and these games involved you know kicking or carrying a ball toward a goal over lines you know um they had some physicality to them so they you know they were definitely the early inspiration for american football I like that you're emphasizing the American football because football is what we call here in the United States soccer. Exactly. But for the rest of the world, it's football. But for the rest of the world, American football is football here in the United States. Exactly. And <laughs> and when we get later in the episode, I'll just begin to refer to it as football. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because then there will be more of a distinction. But right now, we're talking about the the earliest inspirations for it. So it comes from, you know, soccer and rugby basically. Um, and those two games, they took their inspiration from even, you know, more ancient games. Uh, you know, we talk about ancient history a lot on this podcast, so we might as well look at a couple of these, uh, ancient kind of, kind ball of ball games, games and see yeah. what inspired the soccer and the rugby. And then in turn, we'll see how that inspired American football. Um, but these, uh, ball games involving, you know, an object that a player kind of possesses, uh, and others are trying to like take that away or tackle or wrestle them. Uh, those are, you know, it's a very broad description of a game and those go back to ancient Greece and Rome. Um, we know playing with balls goes back to ancient history. Exactly, <laughs> and possibly even further than this, but there are some some texts and some artworks, and uh, they refer to a Roman game 
uh, Harpostum. And it basically, and there was another one that was very similar to it played in Greece. And that was uh, Episikiros. Episikiros or something like that. Sorry, I'm not good with that pronunciation it, there. Episkiros, Episkiros. Episkiros. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, something like that. Um, and ba- ba- basically, um, we don't really know the rules of these. Uh, we don't have, you know, all the information, but there's enough artwork and enough mention of them uh, and, and brief passages from the primary sources about these games to know what their names were and, you know, kind of the general gist of what they were doing when they played. Um so in these games, uh, two teams would try to score or place a ball somewhere, you know, across a line or in, in some position that would score points. And the opposing team would be trying to prevent them from doing that by tackling them, wrestling them, hitting them. Um, you know, in essence, it's the basic concept. You know, it's, it's the same as pretty much rugby and American football, you know an offense and a defense possessing <laughs> a ball trying to take it somewhere to score while the other team is tackling hitting you so yeah. that goes all the way back to Greece and Rome it, it, it just to show you how humans just love to how do you spend your time when you got nothing else to do how about we just chase each other through over some balls you know <laughs> you know it, it you know it, it, it kind of shows you what people would do like this 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 was developed through boredom I believe. Yeah. I believe sports like this are developed through like, well, what do we do? We got time. <laughs> I could see like a Roman legion sitting somewhere waiting to go on a campaign or you, something. Yeah. And the soldiers are like, soldiers, let's, let's get this pig's bladder and blow it up and play a game with, mm. the, you know, <laughs> so that, like, you know, I could see that happening. Certainly. <laughs> right, right. Like, well, we got time. Uh, we got to keep in shape. We don't want to like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be so, lazy. <laughs> uh, so that's some ancient games we know of that are kind of like ball and tackle. Uh, the Middle Ages in Europe, there was um, uh, this this phenomenon, this thing called mob football or mob ball. And as we know, in a lot of you know um, medieval European cities, you know, and even into like the Renaissance, you know. S- they were all almost like city states in a lot of places and they cities had great rivalries, you know, like we think of Florence and Siena, you know, great yeah. rivals. Um, so and th- they went that personal. They're like, all right, let's create teams. So it was cities that would s- create teams and it would be a, a game between two cities. Um, and it was somewhat similar to the Harpostum, the Roman game. Uh, but they would try and, win bragging rights by beating the rival towns and there are a few images you know paintings and reliefs and whatnot of this period that that show this kind of team sport and it involved an unlimited number of players so however many players each team each (laughs) each city could get you know 50 100 500 um and you know uh, basically they would clash in a heavy mass together you know and they would try and drag an inflated pig's bladder um, to a, a marker, a pre a preset marker at the end of the town, right? Oh, wow. Um, and they could use any means necessary to move this ball, this inflated pig's bladder, toward the goal. 
as long as you didn't kill anybody. Wow. Okay. So anything else is fair free game. for all. You just what, couldn't what, kill what, somebody. Why hasn't <laughs> this been on film yet? <laughs> you, you know, like this reminded me of when we, when we were t- when we recorded the Olympics episode. That we all will co- like will bragging points, glory. You know, that was the whole point. Like, I mean, it still is now, right? Like, you want some bragging points. You want to be glory. And back then, that, that this this competition sounds pretty pretty badass just and it, it was <laughs> mob ball right mob, mob ball. football yeah. like they would just beat the hell out of each other to for get it. this pig's bladder to one end of town and win bragging rights for the city i mean what who wouldn't be into it i mean i guess after a while we're like hey we should ban this people are getting hurt and people are getting mad at like a lot of drama between families but at the beginning hey why not everyone just you know you're on this team you're on that team <laughs> we're in there for the glory <laughs> exactly it's 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 a glorious like thing to win for your city beat your rival right um so you know essentially these kind of ball based games where people tackle and hit and you know wrestle each other have been around for very thousands violent. of years but yeah it goes back and and this this mob football is what pretty much inspired rugby and association football you know so soccer yeah so those games kind of come out of this mob football game which came out of the roman and greek games uh so interesting seeing that progression here i Uh, mean it's it's entertaining the public right you know i i I think well the intellectuals will say oh it's just bunch of bunch of barbarians chasing balls around right and because when we talk about the ancient world, especially like the ancient Olympics, it was individual athletes, yeah. individual champions. But it entertained the masses, right? We, we don't talk about team sports a lot. And this is like, you know, kind of the, the team sport of the day, I guess. Okay. Um, so really, up until the 19th century, there were many kind of mob football versions. You know, it really, it, it kind of depended on what town you were in the rules you know um it's like how when you play beer pong you know it's like house rules right and they might might be a little bit different than what you're used to playing but that's kind of what they did with early mob football um so this because there were so many versions of mob football you know there it kind of muddles the history um and historians in fact really the prevailing theory is that the formation of American football was really tied to the development of rugby more than mob football, but rugby also has some origins in mob football. So, I mean, when it all goes back football and rugby, like what's the contrast? What's the difference between them? Yeah. I feel like there's this mob mentality in rugby more than football. Football is so strategic more. Yeah. You know, you get the mass like, in rugby like pushing against each other that's that's like the mob ball right like that's what they would do that's except on a larger scale in medieval times and and isn't the isn't the the field larger in rugby too uh i believe it is larger and it's not like you know gridded off like the nfl um so that's kind of the earliest origins of those tackle and ball games and kind of how we're getting to American football. So, um, Oh, the immigrants brought it, right? Well, uh, (laughs) they brought soccer, they brought rugby 
and then we we conflated we you know American football is just a conflation of soccer and rugby right <laughs> uh, basically with some American original kind of ideas and rules thrown in there um, I say that in in because in many of our episodes when we come to the United States it's the immigrants bringing everything <laughs> so they brought the and much like if you go back and listen to our origins of baseball you know they brought the british european stick and ball games and yeah then here in america we kind of took some rules here and there and added some of our own and it was you know made our own thing so it seems like a common theme here so again they brought they brought association football or soccer and they brought rugby mm -hmm. and then we took those ideas and moved forward um And really, the first football was played on the amateur, on the college level. Uh, older American universities, especially Harvard and Yale, they developed these student football traditions that were kind of like a cross between a rugby game and a soccer match and a mob football <laughs> uh, kind of game, right? Like uh, the earliest college football games were just, there wasn't very many clear rules, Um, there was just kind of two masses of students that would compete to possess the ball to win points. Um, it totally sounds like they were figuring it out. Exactly. They were they, like, we don't have just... enough team for any of your fucking sport. <laughs> How about we all just kind of make a, 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 a sport that combines all three of your things so we could have teams? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. That sounds pretty – for me, you're describing. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> And it, it's true because, like, You know, they're trying to just put together all these sports here. And then they did kick the ball around mostly. It was it was a lot more like soccer, but it was very violent. Um, in fact, this form of football that was played early on, you know, at, mostly at the Ivy League kind of schools over like there. Like hockey, but on the field. Um, it was – it drew mass protests because <laughs> of it, the violence. And, you know, people were apparently killed uh, and, and – very badly injured in some of these football games. So there was mass protests that uh, eventually led to the banning of playing any type of football in the early uh, 1860s. Wow. So soccer football was that hardcore. People. Yep. Yeah, there were several people that died that playing football. There was this football <laughs> scare. So in the early 1860s, it was banned, but, um, Later on in the very late 1860s, uh, 1869, to be precise, uh, Rud Rutgers University and Princeton University played the basically the first intercollegiate football game is how it was worded in the research I did. Um, it was a lot different from what we would think about as American football, but it was basically... It was a huge moment because it was the beginning of the process of standardizing the game of football because, you know, the it was house rules before, town rules, whatever. It, there wasn't even a lot of rules. Um, now we're starting to see set rules uh, being talked about and agreed upon leading up to the match, leading up to the game. It's like when we talk about the MLB with, with, with baseball, right, that they finally like, all right, let's make up official rules a rule book yeah like let's start and oh man and they didn't make a rule book per se here but they this is when they began to start like really 
thinking about the rules and like you know kind of passing them on and tailgates started up here too <laughs> no, no. i'm not really sure about not the yet, tailgates but uh, um, the car has not been invented yet <laughs> uh so pretty much uh, a lot you know during this time in the late 1860s a lot of the early kind of positions and strategies and stuff and that that are kind of some basic things in football, you know, like and, and positions and coaching staff and stuff, all that stuff really came around now uh, with the standardization. Um, and then two teams of players, the game between Princeton and Rutgers, they both fielded a team of 25 players and they played on November 6th, 1869 and they attempted to score by kicking the ball into the opposing team's goal, which is the origin of the current field goal, right, which is worth three points in modern <laughs> football. Okay, okay that's a, so, so they attempted to what? They, they attempted to score a goal by kicking the ball into the opposing team's goal. So like so, soccer. So, so like soccer. Yeah. Oh, okay. And – they and couldn't that's throw. That's pretty fucking fascinating. That's cool. They couldn't that's throw the ball. They couldn't carry the ball. Um, you could just kick it around. So it was soccer, but contact. There was a lot of physical contact between players. So there was a lot of tackling, wrestling, blocking. Um, well, not not so much blocking, but more tackling and wrestling. You know. Uh, so it was more like the mob football, but with a soccer and. Um, you know, now we're seeing this weird it's conflation. It's not fully football that we know here in America, but exactly, it's it's developing and it's figuring it itself out. And this is just the very earliest experiment. So again, it, it really comes from soccer, um, and uh, the the predetermined before the match, they said the first team to reach six goals would win, and Rutgers won the game six to four. And then a week later, they played a rematch at Princeton. Um, and uh, Princeton won that game, except they won it eight to nothing because I guess there was a little bit different scoring rule, like the first team to eight. Um, Damn, and, and that's, then that's, 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 so that's brutal. Low scoring games, right? More like a soccer score. Well, right? zero to eight, <laughs> though? Come on. Eight, eight to, to zero. zero. Yeah. <laughs> so Rutgers won the first one, Princeton won the second one. The very next year, Columbia University joined in 1870. And uh, by 1872, there was actually a couple other schools, including Yale, that were fielding a team. Uh, the There's a little notable, interesting little footnote. Uh, there was an intercollegiate game played in New York and Rut when Rutgers played Columbia, November 2nd, 1872. And it ended in a scoreless tie, and that was the first tie in the history of football. Oh, wow. This Americanized it, kind of football. You know, and I always bring this up when we, when we talk about sports or stuff like this. But what's driving this? And people love this, this stuff, like, right? Like, it's, it's exciting and everything. But in the end, it brings people together. And, and I, you know, talk about the economics of football. Like these universities are getting into it because it drives, it, it motivates, you know, it, it inspires them to be part of their, you know, their, you know, their university. That that's the recognition, right? Yeah. And they'll go to the game and they'll spend money. So there, there's the economic incentive, and this is, you know, like if you wonder why football is such a big thing now here in the United States, it's just think of how much economically 
it drives people to spend money on football stuff. <laughs> you know, like, that's true. Jerseys are so expensive. Jerseys, drinks, no. the promotions, <laughs> and everything. And and, and th- this is why universities got into it. Yeah, it's a big money maker, and, and obviously people, people went to the games. Yeah, and 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 we're gonna see in a little bit here. There's gonna be thousands of people sometimes that end up showing up to some of these earlier games. Um, so in on October twentieth, eighteen seventy three, representatives from Yale, Columbia, Princeton, and Rutgers met at the Fifth Avenue Hotel in New York City, and they basically made the rule book on intercollegiate football. Um, each school had its own kind of set of rules, right? So they had, everyone had to play by the home team's set of rules. Uh, Harvard was playing, but they refused to attend the meeting because they said they wanted to play, continue to play under their own rules. Oh, wow. What a a nice move. (laughs) Yeah, so Harvard was like, no, you guys, we're not going to join you guys here. We're going to do our own our own thing um, because they wanted to keep one rule that the rest of the schools wanted to take away. And it was based on the quote unquote try in rugby. And a try is like when you carry the ball, the rugby ball over the goal line into the other team's goal and you get points, right? Oh, okay. Sounds, that's, a, that's an interesting ruling. How, how does, what does that sound like to you? <laughs> Carrying a ball over a goal line into a, to soccer? score points, I is mean, that, is that soccer? I guess sounds like a touchdown, right? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. But, but 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 the difference is that this is their guarding point, right? Is that what you said? So, uh, so Harvard wanted to keep this try kind of rule in that rugby had. So this is what be uh, the try is basically ah, what turned into a touchdown. I get, I get, I get that the word the the word play is it's a touchdown. Yeah, and uh, and in rugby it's called a try. T R Y and th- so we looked at the early origins of the field goal, right? Kicking mm-hmm. the ball. Kicking the ball. And now we're seeing this is the origin of the touchdown, the two main ways of scoring. So touching the floor. Football. Uh so carrying the ball into another the opposing team's goal, right? And that's how you score points. So God, this game is so evolving, man. It's it's interesting how it took just little elements, right? And little things <laughs> like different. all right, well this works, this works. <laughs> um so Harvard wanted to keep that and um Basically, some rules that Harvard had, also there was this this um, university in Canada called uh, McGill University, and they had a lot of similar rules to Harvard, and they kind of stole <laughs> each other's rules here and there, um, and they ended up playing a game that fielded 11 men, which is what you field in in the NFL now. It's 11 offensive players and 11 defensive players. And so soccer, too. And players. yeah, and, and soccer as well. So eleven. So instead of like mob ball or whatever, where it's just Three however many. All. Yeah, how many you can. Now it's like you can have eleven on eleven. Um, well, it sounds more fair than. Also, they <laughs> introduced uh, in, instead of just kicking the ball to advance it, you could also carry it, but you still couldn't throw it. And someone had to tackle the ball carrier to the ground to stop the play. So those are some of the rules that Harvard and this McGill University in Canada wanted to continue with. And it sounds a lot, they became big and... We hadn't even talked about the safety of the players, but yes. Yeah. We were tackling. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so 
it was good that Harvard didn't go and join the other yeah. schools because a lot of their rules that they wanted to keep ended up getting banned into uh, modern football. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, like the you know the try we, we might not have a touchdown if they had conceded that. Um, so Harvard was really important to their resilience. You know, their uh, against the the other schools putting pressure on them to change the standardize the rules right you know this whole time i i don't feel like it's it's like a an elitist game i feel like anyone could play this game you know it's not like families are like oh no only our families play in this you know like it's it's kind of free for any person to join this type of game yeah and then it, it's still pretty open but we're also talking about university university yeah, so that's right <laughs> uh, especially in the well, they, they made them. They made it more popular, you know. Universities, they kind of give them a brand, you know, more than anything. But you know, you, you can have people playing in the cities. <laughs> yeah. So after a couple of years, Harvard agreed to play a game against Yale, and they agreed to concessionary rules. So Harvard allowed some of the rules from Yale's game, which was more like soccer. Yale adopted some rules from Harvard's game, which was more like rugby. And on November 13th, 1875, Yale and Harvard played each other. And Harvard won four to nothing. So this is where this might be the first kind of modern-ish football game now. Or more like competition to rivalry, right? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Harvard and Yale is a great football rivalry for you know obviously 1875 hundreds of years i'm starting to see how like sports is is starting to take like the limelight over academics at this point too (laughs) that's interesting too yeah (laughs) um so now there's yeah i mean we're talking about all these ivy league schools here Harvard, columbia princeton like and they were just big on sports back then too you know trying to get bigger and more popular Come to my school. We win. Yeah. And um, eventually, the next year in 1867, Harvard kind of joined with Columbia, Yale, some of the other universities, uh, and formalized a little bit, a set of different kind of rules. um, And that kind of allowed, you know, that fused together some of what Harvard was doing with what the other ones were doing. And now we're starting to see a game that resembles football. Yeah. so the touchdown was invented in 1875 and by 1881 the touchdown actually took precedence over the field goal kicking the ball so you can score more points carrying the ball in than kicking it in so now you know touchdown is worth six field goals worth three uh, in the modern game that wasn't quite the point totals here yet but you know we're seeing the evolution and a gentleman named Walter Camp he is pretty much the father of modern football. He went to that first Harvard Yale game as a student. And basically when the in 1880 um or sorry in 1876 uh, when the association of Harvard, Columbia, Yale, some of those schools started to meet, uh, Walter Camp started to go to those meetings in the late 1870s, early 1880s 
and he proposed a bunch of rule changes. Basically, um, a, a couple of the big ones were the establishment of the line of scrimmage. So, you know, you could not pass a ball. You know, you have to be behind the line of scrimmage to pass the ball, right, in football now. So now he's created that. Uh, the snap from the center to the quarterback, you know, snapping the ball. And you go like, hut, you know, and they... I feel throw, like we could just make a whole you. episode on, like, <laughs> refs and, you know... What are they called in football? Re- are there referees? Yeah, the in referees. Fo- they're yeah. called refs and referees in football, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, having an Origins episode on referees. <laughs> right, we could probably do that. That would be interesting <laughs> because, yeah, at this point, yeah, that's a whole another ball game within the ball game yeah you know calling all these fucking moves and i didn't calls didn't look into much of that just kind of glossed over it but yeah i mean they're they're big too because all these rules are being adopted so they're needing people to enforce the rules um he also had proposed uh uh walter camp had proposed snapping the ball with your hands between the center and the quarterback um he also messed with uh, the scoring rules a few times. Um, he proposed the down and distance system. So, you know, like first and 10, wow. second and five, third down, you know. So he, he was the one that came up with a lot of that stuff. He also helped to standardize the official length of the football field, 120 yards by 53 and one-third yards. And those dimensions are still used in the NFL today. And this guy didn't get no backlash? Nobody like, no, we don't want to do that. Like, okay. He he proposed a lot of rules, and some of them did not. You know, they got yeah. shot down. But I mean, look at all these these that they adopted are just mainstays he, in football today. You know, you gotta realize how technical football is in the end, right? Like, there's so many technicalities that happen within the game. It's I, probably the most technical, yes, like, sport. <laughs> like, there's so many things you can do wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised. I, I'm I'm aware of a lot of the things that happen in football. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, that is outside though. Well, no, not outside. It's you know, a flag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> offside or like holding or you know, yeah. pass interference. You know, there's so many things you know you can and can't do. So this is when all this stuff is being implemented. All these basic, you know fundamental kind of rules about the game now and Walter Camp the last really big you know major major change he made um, was the ability of players to block opposing players in order to aid the ball carrier so in rugby if your guy has the ball you can't get in between him and the defenders like you can't block him you can't impede him well, that's so you can't defend your 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 your, your guy, quarterback, right? You can't defend whoever's got the ball and they're running with it. You you can't do He's anything. Open. Okay. Yeah, you can't do anything to impede the defender's progress, right? Well, that's obviously huge in modern football, like the offensive and defensive yeah, line. That's the you, whole point of defense is yeah, protecting I mean the, the quarterback. The offensive line is yeah impeding the defenders getting to the quarterback, right? Um, so he proposed this last big rule change, and with that it really became less of an offshoot of rugby and soccer, and now it's its own. Now we see American football uh, be its own. I mean, own at this point, they got game. rid of the, f- of the kicks except for the field goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's – dude, honestly, so far what we talked about, I'm pretty fascinated, fascinated just how it has evolved. As Like, baseball didn't really evolve as much as this one. Baseball yeah. was just more about, like, integrating leagues – 
this was like all right what works what works this works this this you know like we like football but we also like rugby how do we mix them both you know like it's an incredibly rich tapestry. Yeah, <laughs> dude, honestly, tapestry. <laughs> and 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 to for it to be, you know, these colleges, universities, prestigious universities that really drove this, which really helped them, you know, be, build their prestige and their like, you know, recognition. But yeah, like it's it's integrated in in the origins of our country in the United States. Yeah, I mean, this is all in the 1860s, 1870s. Um, and we talked about this baseball too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sports, <laughs> dude. I guess that's what's America great. They're all coming along. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first time anyone threw a football was in 1895, uh, and it was a desperate attempt to score before the time ran out. So everyone was kind of kicking and hol- and running with the ball. They weren't throwing the football. Um, Eventually. And then in 1895, just out of a desperate attempt to score at the last second, they were throwing the football. It wasn't until 1906 that the forward pass was formally adopted as a rule. You could actually do it, you know, because there was some, uh, it was kind of an illegal move (laughs) uh, basically before that. Um, But it was minor part of the game. And if you're a historian of the NFL, you know, running the football, you know, quarterbacks hardly – they didn't throw like they throw now. You know, you, you know I, I'm just realizing too is like, I think this is a tradition that rules will change a lot within football or like dynamics. So every year, like everyone will be excited. Like, well, what are the new rules? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, so they're every year they're just adding, tweaking, fixing things, um, which is different compared to baseball because they kind of, Got a set of rules that worked, and then they really haven't deviated. Yeah, they, yeah and that was <laughs> a keep, thing we talked about, right? It's How? a whole big thing with adding new rules to baseball. Like, <laughs> oh, you're not being, you know, the original Faithful. game. Like, come on. You know, it's a big thing. But in football, they're constantly changing the rules, even today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so in 1905, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, NCAA, uh, they, they formed, and they basically organized – American football and sports around the country. And by that time, 432 different cities had American football teams. Um, So it was really, you know, it was the American culture really loved it at the time. And they were embracing this leisure activities and, um, you know, uh, competition and fitness and whatnot. Uh, They even begun to have halftime shows in 1907 in Champaign, Illinois. They had the first halftime show. At a football game. Okay. Uh, yeah, there you go. We're starting to see how it's becoming nowadays. So now we see, now we're just continuing to see that, that, that progress. In 1909, scoring was formalized. A touchdown was now worth six points, and a field goal was worth three points, and an extra point was worth one point. So in 1909, now we have the scoring format. Yeah, like, w- when did that happen? Because <laughs> why are they worth those that many points? But, yeah, continue. And no, that's when you know that's when it was in 1909. That was that's when that scoring format was f- was finalized. You know, because it, it it changed quite a bit. Yeah, like it's so weird. Honestly, even to now, it's like, why is it six? Why is it one? Why is it three? <laughs> also, during this time in the late 1900s, they realized that football was still very violent, so they needed to continue to change the rules. 
So they ended up adopting new rules that protected players and and, and make happens it happens today too, huh? Yeah, and and I mean obviously there's a lot of rules to protect all the players, you know, on the field now. Uh so they started to move toward that in the early 1900s and it looked even less like rugby because there were rules on catching the ball and who can catch the ball downfield and um you know they looked at uh they changed the rules again in the uh, after the 1910s you know uh before the 1920s because in high school at the high school level there were some players who died from playing football because it was still very violent and that influenced even more reforms um so the the 1910s into the early 1920s we're seeing just constant changes uh in, into uh like the uniform into the, like the game the, getting getting helmets getting you know the shoulder pads and all that stuff i bet I, I, that's becoming the norm i bet yeah so now by the early night or the you know 1910s 1920s now we have a game that's like american football basically and in that same spirit it's continued to change over time as it's needed to but this is now around the time when we can start to see the emergence of professional football leagues everything we've talked about has been on the collegiate level amateur level now we're going to start to see players get paid to play football um The first professional game was played in 1895 in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, between the Latrobe Athletic Association and the Jeanette Athletic Club. Latrobe won 12 to 0. And the quarterback for Latrobe, John Brailer, was paid $10 plus expenses to play in the game, and he became the first professional football player. (laughs) 10 bucks? Okay. John I mean, back, back then, back then, ten bucks was so much more. But exactly, ten bucks plus expenses, expenses. Like to get there, <laughs> like to feed him and stuff. So it was probably a good gig back then. Um, in 1897, the Latrobe Athletic Association played a full team of players to play a whole season. So they became the first professional team, um, and this is happening in Pennsylvania. And then in 1898, uh, William Chase Temple took over the team, um, not the Latrobe team. He took over a team in Duquesne County, and he became the and, and this was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he became the first um, football owner, basically. William Chase Temple, and then um, a little bit later in 1895, a team called the Morgan Athletic Club on the south t- south side of Chicago. They started playing, and that team later became the Chicago Cardinals, then the St. Louis Cardinals, and now they're known as the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> when? Okay. So Morgan Athletic Club on the south side of Chicago, they're the oldest continuously operating professional football team. So the Arizona Cardinals are technically the first professional, the oldest professional football team right now. And when – to go back to what I was saying, that this is just economically driven now at this point. These teams, these baseball teams in every city, like, hey, it, it, it brings the community together, gets people out there to go to games and everything and buy jerseys and everything. It's it's pretty, like, epic how this economic really, like, 
drives people to you know participate in everything and so people with money will go and invest in these teams and make it official this is the city team come represent your city wear the jersey wear everything it's pretty good I yeah like it, it's really again you know it's interesting to see how this is just morphed from a, a collegiate amateur game now into something that's more commercialized um and now we're having team owners and professionals um so that's in the late 1890s that we start to see the professionals come around and by 1920 what would become the national football league was founded it was then called the american professional football association apfa (laughs) and they had 14 teams but in 1921, they expanded it. So the very next year after it was uh, founded, they expanded it to 22 teams. And one of those extra teams uh, in 1921 was called the Green Bay Packers. Ooh. So they hold the record for the longest use of an unchanged team name. The Packers, <laughs> man. The Green Bay Packers, the Cheeseheads. They're classic, honestly. They're my team, guys. That's, that's why <laughs> I'm biased. <laughs> um, so the Packers still using that same name. 1922, 1921 is when they began using it. Um, there was also a, a, a team founded in 1921 called the Decatur Staley's. And they were sold to a man named George Hallis and moved to Chicago. And in 1922... They changed their name from the Chicago Staley's to the Chicago Bears. So basically the Chicago Bears have been using the same name for one year less than the Packers have. I mean, way better name than the other one. (laughs) Um, Additionally, in 1922, the league changed its name from the APFA to the National Football League. Okay. The NFL. Um. In the 1930s, passing rules were modified so that you could throw the game, uh, throw the football more openly. I guess, um, like passing it down. Yeah, uh, like not you, forward, but passing uh, it down, right? Yeah, passing it. Yeah, forward, a forward pass. You know, like a quarterback throwing to a receiver. Um, those were kind of um, opened up a little bit more because. Uh, up until the 1930s, uh, you actually lost five yards if you threw two incomplete passes in a row. And if you threw an incomplete pass in the end zone, then the other team got the ball. That so, sounds lame. So there was all these weird rules with the yeah, passing. Like so what, how they, is that even? They okay. took that stuff out, basically, in the 1930s. Um, and that helped to really professionalize football. Um there was a championship game that was added in 1932 and the Chicago Bears and the Portsmouth Spartans, they had finished the regular season in a tie and what what happened was they just gave the championship to the team that finished with the best record after the season. But now these two teams were tied, so they said, well, we're going to have one game between you guys to determine the winner. Uh, the Bears won that game 9-0. to zero. And it was so popular that in 1933, the league reorganized into two divisions, and the winner of each division played a championship game. See hype, bringing hype and bringing more competition and bringing more. 
Oof. Oh. Why well, wouldn't you, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to do it. <laughs> um, it's for the fans. Uh, that very same year, in 1933, when a championship game was uh, was uh, formalized, I guess, or you know, permanently added, um, two more teams that you might know joined the league, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Nice. In 1933. In 1936, the NFL instituted a draft of college players. The very first draft selection was by the Philadelphia Eagles, and they picked picked the Heisman Trophy winner, Jay Berwanger, but he did not want to play professionally, so he declined. <laughs> um, in 1941, uh, Elmer Layden was named the first NFL commissioner. So now we're seeing basically football now. In, in yeah, the 30s, with the draft, 40s, right? Pretty much just draft commissioner. The rule changes. Like we literally have a generation of kids believing, like dreaming of being a football player. At this point, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and and this is right before World War Two, and guess what happens during World War Two? <laughs> postponed. Um, there there was basically a massive player shortage some teams went bankrupt some teams had to merge uh the philadelphia eagles and the pittsburgh steelers merged for a very short time and they were still the same state they were known as the steagles (laughs) (laughs) okay it's funny um after world war ii the NFL game continued developing. They added more teams. In 1958, the championship game was broadcast live on NBC, and that was between the Baltimore Colts and the New York Giants. And that caused the game to be even more popular because, you know, it's now being broadcast. Um, In 1960, uh, the American Football League began to compete with the NFL, and they got so popular the NFL was afraid they would fold so in 1966 the nfl and afl agreed to basically start playing a championship game with their best teams at the end of the season Mm, that's the super bowl right it was originally called the afl nfl world championship and in 1968 they changed the name to the super bowl nice and then eventually the two leagues merged became the national football league and they had two conferences, the NFC and the AFC, and that's how basically we get that is from the yeah. AFL and the NFL. Um, Packers won the first one. <laughs> and, I mean, it's it's just grown from there, you know, to the most popular sport. <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, at that point, like, we've talked a lot. Like, through the 1800s, it really evolved to what it is. And getting to now, wow, like, economically it drives a lot of money people get involved there's a lot of like you know like identity you 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 identify with your team you know you identify with the player it brings you know people together like you know super the super bowl nowadays is such a such an iconic thing in our culture that you yeah. know like it gets, it gets people together and that's what i really appreciate it's so great it's been really interesting just seeing how this whole thing has evolved right um but you know, since the late 60s, early 70s, when the, the leagues merged, that's, you know, up to now, we have the modern game. Um, but that'll do it for this week's episode. Um, before we sign off, though, 
uh, wanted to make everyone aware of a change that we'll be making to our release schedule. Um, as I mentioned in the past, I'm still completing my bachelor's degree. Uh, I just started my fall semester, and it has become glaringly obvious to me that this might probably will be the most difficult <laughs> semester of my college career. Um, a couple of my classes are senior level classes, you know, really tough stuff. And then I've got a couple art history courses. Those are always very rigorous. Uh, and I was recently hired as a tutor of art history at the university. And that job is turning into more than I thought it was going to be, I think. And, um, throw that all on top of my family obligations. And I am going to be very, very busy the next few months. Um, and I do apologize, but with that in mind, uh, we've decided to only release one episode per month for September, October, and November. And then we'll ramp back up to weekly episodes in December. Uh, I do apologize for the change. Um, but We're I still active. I, I didn't want to sacrifice the quality. I don't want to pump out these like short episodes that are under-researched and whatnot. Um, so I do apologize, and I just wanted to explain why um, we're making this change. But, you know, bear with us. We're coming back in December strong. But until then, we're just going to have one episode um, per month. But we can maybe make them a little bit longer, maybe make them close to an hour. Um, but, yeah, just wanted to make everyone aware of that. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be back next month in October with the origins of Halloween. Oh, yeah, let's do it. So that that one will be really fun. Join us next month for that one. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening. See you all later.